Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Hi, 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 hello, welcome, welcome back. Uh, weird way to start an intro, isn't it? Um, welcome to episode eight of our weird little podcast. Thank you for coming back, always very much appreciated. You look lovely today, as always, I'm guessing. Um, in a field, again this week doing the intro, but uh, not a field I'm lost in. I actually know this field, uh, and that is growth, uh, finding a way out of the lost into the known isn't it? God, that's a horrible way to start a podcast. Anyway, um, this week's guest is Pippa Evans. You may have seen Pippa on Alan Davies' As Yet Untitled or Drunk History, or heard her voice on Radio 4's The Now Show or Newsjack. Pippa is also a core member and assistant artistic director of the Olivier award-winning showstopper The Improvised Musical, which is doing a run at this year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival at The Pleasance. So after you've listened to this, you could go book tickets for that if you want to. But you don't have to do what I tell you to. I'm not like not here to tell you how to live your life. Um, this week we speak to Pippa about uncertainty, life not going the way you'd expect it to. And towards the end, Lauren kind of just loses her mind a little bit, to be honest. So it's worth sticking around for that. It's quite 
a journey she goes on in this episode. Content warning time, we do discuss sensitive topics such as suicide in this episode, so make sure you're okay listening to that sort of thing before we go forward. Uh, just to just to warn you, always good to know about these little things, isn't it? Um, and just before we get going, if you could like, review, download, subscribe, whatever your podcast app allows you to do, it really helps us get into more ears, people's ears, not just ears in general. Um, and the more people ears we get into, the more money that goes to Calm, because all the money we make from adverts goes directly to them. Plus, you've done your good deed for the day by listening and donating, so you can kind of feel smug for the rest of the day if you really want to. Uh, Right, that's enough of me. Um, This is Lauren and I bothering Pippa Evans for a bit. Pippa Evans is with us today. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Marvellous. We're going to start with the same question we always start with. Uh, When was the last time you felt calm? Uh, I felt calm for about two weeks, I think, um, because we uh, finished doing Showstopper. It's an improvised musical that I do, and we did an eight-week run at the other palace, which was very intense, making up musicals eight times a week. Uh, uh, and then it finished, and then uh, there was, ju- and then there's just been calm, just calm for two weeks, which is quite a long time to feel calm, isn't it? That's probably the uh, longest that anyone on this podcast has said they've felt um, calm. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the longest so far is a day. <laughs> it's like the calm <laughs> after the storm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the storm's not coming back. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. So I feel I feel very calm at the moment. Very calm. I've just been teaching all weekend. It was very calm teaching. Went to my mum and dad's for Mother's Day. Very calm. Day ate a Vionetta because that's the only way you can celebrate your mother, <laughs> of course, because she didn't have to make pudding because Vionetta did it for her, <laughs> and it was only a pound. So, Ooh. come on now, uh, yeah. So, I feel very calm at the moment, but I suppose the interesting question is like, what is calm, isn't it? Mm. Also, because like, it's different things for different mm-hmm. people, yeah. So, like, what is calm for me is just my head doesn't feel busy, I don't feel like I'm judging myself in my head, so I feel like I'm just pootling along. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Just pootling. Maybe that's it. Calm for me is pootling. Yeah. How do you, um, if you are in a place where your brain is feeling really busy and you want to try and bring yourself back a little bit, is there anything that you do to help yourself do that or is it something that just happens naturally? Oh, no, I'm not so lucky that it would just happen <laughs> naturally. That would be, make life far too easy, wouldn't it? Um, I think, what do I do? Um, generally, I try and sleep more. Have a nap is usually the answer to most things, isn't it? So if I'm in a position where I can have a nap, I will have a nap. Go and look at a tree. <laughs> so if there's a tree outside the office, the, my space at home, which is the office, and we're lucky that the window faces a really big tree. And I find a mantra that really helps me is, that tree's been here longer than you, and none of this matters. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like that tree's seen so many people. And that tree's living. That tree's yeah, there's something there. in trees. Zoe Lyon said she's got a tree that she touches. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trees are real. I think trees are really helpful in terms of remembering that. Yeah, that they just grow and then they grow around things. Like, have you ever seen a tree by railings where the tree, like the oh, bottom of the tree, is yeah. like squished out and then it's gone round the railings? It's just like it just deals with whatever's around it. It doesn't doesn't freak out. You've never seen a tree freak out. <laughs> we all need to be more trees. I was going to say, yeah. Be more tree. Yeah, so probably that, yeah, that's probably it. Or I'll WhatsApp my husband because he's the nicest man in the world. So I'll just send him something like, I feel like this! And he'll be like, 
don't worry, that's quite normal for you. Okay, great. It's quite nice when someone just reminds you, like, oh, you're just in that cycle that you sometimes get into. Mm -hmm. You go, oh, yeah, you got out of it before. Yeah, I did. And then you're... It's quite a nice thing about relationships, isn't it, is knowing that someone else knows your brain probably just as much as you Mm -hmm. do. Yes. And knows when you're going into a spiral or a dark time or something like that. They can just go, right, this is happening. I know this is happening. And usually you go, no, it's fucking not. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but they also know that that's part of the process. Oh, yes. So when you go, fuck, fuck you, they go, and that's the fuck you moment. <laughs> you don't yeah. know me. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that is not, yeah, that is nice when someone knows you. Uh, even things like my husband's, at the end of a holiday, he gets into an absolutely foul mood. So the first time we went on holiday together, when we were just dating, before we'd fully committed, uh, he, he goes, uh, he just worked, suddenly got in this massively foul mood. And I thought, oh, my God, he's going to break up with me at the end of the... That's like this, we've had the holiday, we've had yep. a nice time, and he's just been acting this whole time. We can break up. And I cried all night long because I thought, oh, my God, this is the worst. I thought we had the best holiday. And then he said, oh, no, I I just really hate the end of holidays because it means I have to go back into the real world. And then the second time we went on holiday, it happened again. And I, it wasn't a pattern yet for me. So it was like, oh, my God, he's going to break up with me. And then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I remember this. And so still, still, so we've been together for like 15 years and he's still he does that. Uh, and I love, I love when you know, you're old enough to notice a pattern. So I think that's the thing, once you get, so now I'm 36, I've had enough of life to notice my own patterns. I've had long enough relationships to recognise their patterns. And that's actually quite reassuring when you recognise them without judgement, you know. No, completely and utterly, because I get a thing when I'm feeling really anxious that I tap my hands oh, right, yeah. one finger after the other. And Lex knows the moment I start doing that, <laughs> it's kind of like, right, we need to get you to a quiet corner. Ah. We need to just like get you away from everything else in the world. Is there a dog? Is there a dog anywhere? Exactly. <laughs> go find a dog, it'd be great. Um, but it is just noticing those little things and having yeah. that kind of support network in place. I mean, it doesn't need to be a partner, obviously. It can be a friend or someone who just notices those patterns. But yeah. as you, are, you do hang out with someone for longer, you just pick up on those small little things mm-hmm. that no one else would. I call them my flags. So, uh, so I have a flag. Uh oh, flag one is yeah. Flag one is I seem to really only want like bad food, like sweet, you know, sweets and chocolates. Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm I know that actually I really enjoy eating healthily. So if I'm like I'm just going to eat cake today, <laughs> flag one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just as those flags go up, just uh, noticing how yeah, how can we get those flags back down again? I'm seeing it like you know like a rounders field. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm at first base. <laughs> <laughs> rounders, God, I haven't spoken about rounders for yeah. ages. But rounders. Once we played rounders at school, and they forgot the, t- the sports teacher forgot the rounders bat. So they, but in the back of the minibus, there was a an old hockey stick. So we played it with an old hockey stick and a tennis ball. And uh, and I was way better at it with an old hockey stick and a tennis ball. <laughs> it was almost like because it was sort of silly rounders, I was easy. It was easy for me to play it. Yeah. Whereas with normal rounders, as a not very sporty person. That again, the anxiety of, of failure. Mm. It's like yeah. crazy golf and real golf. Exactly. It's great at crazy golf. Why isn't the Ryder Cup crazy <laughs> golf? Oh, it'd be amazing. Windmills at the end of every hole. <laughs> so many more people will watch it. Yeah, completely. When was the first time you were made aware of mental health actually being a thing, be it positive or negative? You mean in my life or mm. in the world? Uh, both. Well, actually, when I was at school, my best friend had a really severe eating disorder and she got put into a institution and it was quite shocking really because I have lived quite a charmed life and I have a lovely family that are lovely and my brothers are lovely and we'll get on like a horrible 
everything that just makes you want to vomit a bit in your mouth is my family. <laughs> we sing all together. <laughs> I'm really, really happy. <laughs> it's really not good uh, for other people, but we're happy. Um, but uh, so the, I had this friend whose life was a real contrast to my life, and I found it really hard to know how to help her because 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 I couldn't help her in any way other than be her friend. And I think that sometimes feels really hard to accept that you can only help someone by being there yeah. rather than here's the solution I googled how to stop your eating disorder you know <laughs> go. Uh, so that was really bad and then she got um, diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic so then she was like institutionalised further and it was just really really sort of awful to go into an institution as well because some of those spaces she was at that age where you're not an adult and you're not a kid so she was in an adult space as a 16 year old girl it was just absolutely horrific to watch. And also because mental health is so hard to explain. So she went through this phase of believing that the devil was talking to her. She was carving upside down crosses in her arms. And it was like really, and then her room was, like, I mean, it was like that beautiful mind, you know, just upside down. Mm. It was horrible. And so you know she's not well, but she's there and she's talking and she's it's her voice. So it's really hard to, where's my friend gone? Mm but I can't abandon my friend. But people do, you know, it becomes too much for a lot of people. So that was the first time I ever experienced someone close to me having mental health problems. And then, because I'm a very nice person, um, so... Brag. <laughs> hashtag, super nice. Hashtag, please love me. Uh, they, uh, at school, we did a, like, uh, I don't think it, maybe it does still exist. It was called Youth to Youth, and it was a telephone helpline for young people. And they set it up. And we were, I think we were only 14 and we, we went along and learned how to do all of the um, like non-judgmental acceptance and listening to hear rather than listening to tell you my next hilarious anecdote. And it was a telephone helpline for young people helping young people. So we would sit on the wait for the phone to ring and then speak to people. And it was just, but we were probably too young. And I think now they're 16, you have to be 16 mm -hmm. to do it. But it was amazing to sort of have that responsibility. And again, coming back to the help, the, that thing of helping people with a capital H, I think it was my, again, a, real, a really good thing for me to have done so young was that, that idea of helping people for your own gratification versus helping people just because you want to be there and you want to be available. When I first had to take a call, they actually having someone tell you something quite distressing about themselves uh, really shocked me. And I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it because I, I wasn't really in a space to help. I was in a, I was in a space to tell someone that I'd helped someone. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very, very difficult one. But the guy who ran it uh, was called Peter Bradley, and you'd have liked him because he was from your kind of neck of the woods, uh, and he was a brilliant. Um, uh, child, I, mean, I always get these the wrong way around, but I want to say psychologist, psychiatrist, which one of those ones, uh, and he was in charge of the whole project, really generous with everything. During this time, just to make my <laughs> my life sound tragic, um, some of my school killed themselves uh, in my year, and so I went back to do the phone line, and he said to me, "Do you think you should be doing the phone line today?" And I said, "I don't, I don't want to talk about it." And he, so he went, "Mm hmm," and then about ten minutes later, he went. Oh, Pippa, can I talk to you downstairs? And I went, okay. <laughs> like, that's so amazing how quickly you can trick someone. Uh, and I went down with him, and then he made me sit like in a counselor's chair, you know, and he sat opposite and made me talk to him. And he just said to me, You know, if you died tomorrow, the world would keep turning. 
<laughs> which sounds harsh. <laughs> but I needed to hear it at that moment. Mm-hmm. So it was, ama- again, like amazing to have someone who knew me well enough. He'd known me since I was 14, so he'd known me for at least three years. And, and to notice that I was taking on all this stuff in my head, but playing like, everything's great and everything's wonderful. And then for him to be that direct, that's such a harsh thing to say to someone. And to have the nows to know that person needs to hear that. Because I think that's another hard one is when do you support and when do you push? Like when do you, mm-hmm. when do you say, you know what, you really need to sort yourself out because this isn't healthy. When do you say, oh, don't worry about it, you need to be in the space and explore. Yeah, it's that weird toss-up, isn't it, between tough love and wanting to just be there for someone yeah. and having to, it's usually with someone you love as well where you just kind of go, right, I've wanted to... Because you do want you sometimes you just want to shake someone, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like I've had it with my friends, and they get they've been through some terrible shit. And you do you do listen to them, you listen to them, and you just go, I don't know what I can do, and you just want to shake them and just say it will be fucking okay. Like mm. we'll get through this together, but you can't. And then sometimes you do just need to be cutting and right down to the bone, and just kind of go, right, let's sort this out. Let's fucking yeah. sort this out. And it's difficult, and it always is. Approaching these situations is always difficult. But like we were saying earlier, when it kind of comes to people that you know, you can see those little kind of mannerisms and those little bits that are going on in their lives and that kind of weird little thing behind the eyes when they say, you ask, how are you? They say, they're fine. You know, they're not mm. fine. It's just picking up on those little moments to know that you are supporting in whatever way you can. Mm. That's all you can do is whatever you can at that time. Yeah. And it's also a thing as well with people that tend to push down their own emotions is they want to look after everyone else mm. they always want to look after everyone else and I've been extremely guilty of that I'll push my own problems way way to the back and I'll just help everyone if I can Yeah. and it's not a self gratification thing it's more for me it's either a displacement thing or the fact that I just like I wish when I was a teenager that I'd had one of a friend just take me to the pub and just go look talk to me for an hour mm-hmm. I don't need to say anything you can just rant about everything in your life and I never had that when I was young Mm. and I like that now that I can just go look let's go to the pub let's grab a coffee you talk for as long as you need to talk I'm going to listen I'm not going to say yes I'm not going to say no I'm not going to say anything to justify or to or to be negative I'm just going to listen and you get off what you you Mm. say what you need to say Mm. so my boyfriend I I call him the fixer Mm. he likes to make sure everybody's okay and he wants to help and it's a wonderful quality to have but every now and then I feel I feel like I'm more aware of it now I'm going out with a fixer. I'm like, are you are you okay though? Mm-hmm. You, and you can see the look on his face like, what do you mean am I okay? And I'm like, has anyone asked you if you're okay? Because you're helping this person with that and this person with this, but how are you dealing with all this? And it's like, it looks like his head's going to explode. He's like, nobody ever asks me how I am. <laughs> and I'm like, you can, but you can then use me if you can't talk to your friends or you don't want to talk to I mean, you can then vent about all that stuff to me and I'm like the impartial. And it's like, it's like training a dog to do something new. I'm like, you, you, I'm not scary. You can tell me and I won't tell anyone else. And I think I'm easing it out of them a little bit of a time but he's quite a quite I don't want to like generalize and be like he's like a boy but I think he's like but I am the man and I help and I fix things and it doesn't matter how I feel and I'm like it does because you are radiating anxiety right now (laughs) I can smell it on you are you okay I've got like a sort of like a performance based question do you not get like anxious doing sort of improv like just the the fact that it's so out of control that would fill me with like the absolute fear 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Because anxiety breeds on uncertainty, yeah, and improv is uncertainty from the get-go. So, how do you, how do you? Well, what an interesting question. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yes, I think you can. It, I find it helped me mm. with my anxiety because, for the very reason that anxiety breeds on uncertainty. So, the best way to work with that is to get really comfortable with uncertainty. Mm. And so, improv. I do teach improv for anxiety. So, improv. I do a course called Improv Your Life, and I love it because you can see people start to become aware that actually if they say something and it's a bit off kilter, the, the worst thing that's going to happen is um, everyone laughs. Yeah. yeah. So, and, that, and that's a really lovely space to create and to create a trusting space where, again, if you, I make an offer to you, I know that you're going to accept my offer most likely. Like there's very rare that you have a conversation with someone where you say, oh, I, I ate a potato today. And the other person would go, what? Why are you saying that, you weirdo? <laughs> oh, I hate you. No, I didn't. I didn't see you eat a potato. Um, most people would go, even if you think, oh, that's a bit of a weird thing to say. Like, why would you open with I ate a potato today? <laughs> but, but, so, you know, as long as someone goes, oh, really? What hole? Or <laughs> yeah, like, so, so you're just carrying on that conversation. So, I found improvisation so helpful for me because all of my anxiety came out of being a posh uh, West London girl who should be the prime minister by now. Um, because I went to kind of school, it was like everyone should be the prime minister, and it only took me to about 28 to realise we can't all be the prime minister. <laughs> uh, I say that I use prime minister as an example. Obviously, I wasn't working in politics in any way. <laughs> but I mean, it's like this idea that by the time you're like 28, you should have achieved everything. You should have a house and a husband and have seven children and be a lawyer and be earning £125,000 a year or whatever it is. Achieve, you should be achieving uh, and I just wasn't in terms of what I decided was achieving um, and so a lot of it was this uncertainty because as you well know uh, Lauren is the um, perfor- the performer's life is just completely unpredictable yeah. mm-hmm. and the path will take you in a different way like when you did your drama degree I, I don't know, but I don't imagine you thought, oh, I'm going to I'm going to become an award winning comedian. No, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And then I did six weeks working with kids and I was like, I hate kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that moment when my, I just watched my life. Like I felt like I was chugging along on this path and I was like, I'm going to be a drama worker. I'm going to be a drama teacher. And when I spent six weeks with kids, I was like, 
they're shit. I hate them. And I had a proper anxious meltdown then because I was like, but I hadn't really prepared to be anything else. I was just, this is what I assumed I would do. And then it's trying to work out what else you can do. And I was like, I can make people laugh. Can't make a living out of that, can you, Lauren? <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's really great. And then, so in improv, there's this saying that is, you can only walk through a scene backwards. Um, so you can only see what's happened before. So if you get to a point in an improv scene where you don't know what to do, look look back over your shoulder because you probably did something at the top that will teach you something you can bring back into the scene that will help you and in the same way like now you look at that moment that was actually a turning point in your life yeah. where you're like well I can't teach because I've realised I don't like kids what am I going to do oh, I'm going to start exploring this comedy thing mm-hmm. but at the time it felt yeah. like what is going on <laughs> uh, and so so many of these little moments in our life that actually were really helpful moments in their moment are full of anxiety and, and fear whereas wouldn't it be wonderful if we were taught because um, I, I don't know again I think I'm a bit older than you Lauren but at my school it was like what career are you going to do so I was like 17 mm-hmm. we did we took some test that told you what you're going to be and it wasn't I think it wasn't allowed to say you were going to be an actor so it said I was going to be a drama teacher mm-hmm. um, so it was, that, that was as close as it got to performer because I think <laughs> it was a private school so they're not allowed to suggest anything uh, that <laughs> <Yeah>. seems frivolous <laughs> um, so I kind of thought all careers were linear so, and I think a lot of people are taught in the, in the same way you're a kid what are you going to be when you grow up I'm going to be a fire engine yeah. <laughs> well, it's very linear to become a fire engine everyone. Uh, so they, were, they so there's this idea that yeah that it's a straight line when it just isn't there's some careers that are a straight line but life is not a straight line and there's these little moments that, that are terrifying but wouldn't it be great if school they just said your life will be a series of choices mm-hmm. and and those choices will come up and actually it doesn't really matter which choice you make, it's about committing to that choice. So, you know, you committed to being a teacher for six weeks and then went, I, I realise this is wrong. Fuck this. Now I, now I commit to not being a teacher. And that's really great that you made those strong choices mm. rather than spent seven years being a really unhappy mm-hmm. drama teacher. And I've got friends, again, who trained to be in particular professions hated it from six months in but had sort of made a promise at school that we would be these Mm -hmm. things or had promised a parent or a teacher that that they would achieve this thing and then were unhappy because they didn't want to let that person down and they just weren't sure what else they could do so they're in this weird limbo space rather than I really commit to doing this thing or uh, I commit to not doing this thing you know Um, I think more people need to hear that because I think I've had an existential crisis again <laughs> during that. <laughs> like when I think back to being at school, I think so many of my anxieties come from school because I was smart and a perfectionist and I thrived with, like, structure and, you know, you do this at this time and this at this time and, like, you will leave school, you will go to university, you will get a degree, you will get a job and I was like, this sounds... But, but then life doesn't go like that, like you say. So when you've spent... How, how long are you in school for? 15 years, whatever, too long. <laughs> when you've spent like your entire sort of life being sort of regulated and told you, you get up at this time and go to school at this time and you're back at this time and this is how you're like. And then you go to university and you're like, oh, suddenly I've got freedom and I don't like that. Mm. Oh, no, I hated it. I was like, what? You mean some people don't turn up to the lectures? Oh, my God. Oh, no. And I really sort of struggled to adjust and I wish I'd been a bit more prepared for that, given a bit more freedom when I was younger in school. And then it would have maybe, I felt like I'd just sort of built like a little cage in my head and I was very regulated. And I was like, oh, now you've made me so rigid 
that now I've been sort of thrown into the adult world and it's not like what you prepared me for. And I was like, I can't, I can't cope with this. No, classes are at different times every day. No, <laughs> nah, couldn't deal with it. I think that's maybe what made us such a panicky person because mm. all that perfectionism was kind of taken away from us. I was like, I, I, you can't be perfect. And that's a very hard thing to realise. Yeah. Yeah. As an 18-year-old who's been perfect till that age, I was like, shit, life, life's not linear, like you say. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm, reveal, I'm feeling things. <laughs> I think as well, because like, school, it's very clear what is a good pupil and what is yeah, a bad pupil. Uh-huh. So so you, you did very well because you went to your classes and you got mm-hmm. your A's and you did your thing. Whereas you go to university or uh, any uh, anything after school and actually the kids who don't go to the lectures might still do really well. Mm-hmm. So you have to, again, commit to being like, I'm going to be the student who comes to the lectures and I'm going to own it and I'm mm-hmm. going to be the square one, you know, uh, or I'm going to be the cool one. But again, I was always in this limbo space of like, I think I want to be cool, but actually I hate being cool. I really, <laughs> I really like being a nerd. Like yeah. I love reading and I like getting A's and I like doing my homework and mm-hmm. I love being prepared. Um, so trying to be cool, fit in with the cool kids when you're not, necessarily cool or you know you don't thrive in that atmosphere I've got friends who love getting up at like 11 o'clock in the morning and, and then they they go and they eat a croissant in a cafe and then they paint a painting in a <laughs> studio that they hire and so and uh, I can't live like that if I wake up after nine o'clock I feel like I've wasted the day so I have to be up I have to achieve something by nine o'clock <laughs> and then I'm fine like yeah. I, and, I, and I'm and I'm like cool with that at 36 <laughs> I finally got cool with yeah. being a bit square just owning who you are I like that mm. Oh, that's made me feel nice inside. I like that, yeah. Own it. Own who you are. Oh, I feel good now. There's a good Charlie Parton quote, which is, um, just find out who you are and then do it on purpose. Ooh, I like that. That's nice. That's really nice. I'm a legend. (laughs) Yeah, I will be a legend on purpose. That's me. Uh, Going back to kind of the teaching that you do as well, Mm. because I love, really love the idea of kind of organised uncertainty helping people with anxiety mm. do people take those lessons into their day-to-day lives with them as well or is it something that is like within the classroom and then they do you teach things within the um, the classes that people can take home with them and use on a day-to-day basis yes so we'll do so why we say at the very least at the end of this course you will know how to improvise and hopefully at the very most you'll have found some things that will help you just in moments of anxiety or situations where you feel uh less safe yeah you know so improvisation is just about making offers. So we make an offer. Uh, <laughs> today I ate a potato. Uh, and then you would say something back to me. Um, so one thing that I teach is about um, locking in. So some people come because they find literally having a conversation with someone absolutely terrifying because they think they're going to say the wrong thing. They're going to do it wrong. Um, so yep, That's me. Great. <laughs> so, um, so a hack, as they call it now, okay. or a tip, as they called it in the old days, <laughs> is about repeating. And this is just a, a really basic trick to really, it's not even a trick, it's just a way of um, really connecting with the other person is you have to repeat something from the sentence that I've said in your sentence, okay? Okay. So if I say, um, well, good morning, Aaron. How did you sleep last night? Good morning, Pippa. I slept very well last night. Thank you. 
Does that work? Yeah, that's right. Yes, great. But with the principle of yes <laughs> so, and... So stressed. Though. So much fear. This is why You're it's like, like physically yeah. backing yeah. away. <laughs> what if I get it wrong? Right, no, let's do it. Go so on. with the principle of yes and, so a lot of improvisation, that if you've ever done any, will know that this phrase, yes and, uh, is the sort of base, most basic part of it, which is uh, you accept my offer and then you build on it. Okay, so you, what you said is absolutely right. And then you can add like an extra tiny bit. So what, what I can't remember said, good morning, Aaron, how did you sleep last night? You said, good morning, Piva. Um, I slept very well, yep. I think. So you said you've yes anded by putting there that you slept well. So it's a bit of extra information for me. So then I might say, what does sleeping well look like for you? Well, am I supposed to still repeat something in you that said, sentence? Yeah, it could just be one word. Uh, sleeping well for me means uh, more than four hours of undisturbed sleep. Oh, right, four hours. Do you know what? I've started taking... Um, CBD oil and that's really helped me because I used to always have uh, disturbed sleep are we still playing the thing or is yeah, that yeah. <laughs> See, it's become so natural that you don't know whether we're playing no, a I game didn't. or not it's like you're so oh, good at this yeah. <laughs> 15 years of work that's amazing yeah. so, so it, and um, obviously it can sound really mechanical because it can be like <laughs> today I ate a potato a potato oh how interesting I like chips chips oh chips are good they are made of potatoes but you know what else is made of potatoes crisps yeah so but and that sounds mechanical so it's not something you necessarily would want to be doing all the time but if you are feeling lost in a conversation if you're finding it hard to hook in you can just use that because what it does is indicate to the person that you heard them mm-hmm. And also just gives you some words, a bit like I was saying earlier about looking backwards. Yeah, so just gives you something to get in. So if someone, you know, someone's banging on about, I don't know, watermelons. <laughs> I don't know why I'm obsessed with food this morning. But um, yeah, but you can you can just say watermelons. I've eaten those. <laughs> See, that's, sentence like that is what I'm terrified of shouting at people that I've only just met. <laughs> but imagine, because again, it's all of your intention and your delivery, isn't it? Mm. So there's nothing wrong with that sentence, actually. The only thing that makes us, ang- is we deliver it with this fear that someone's mm-hmm. not going to, but I've had so many weird conversations with really confident people who that, who just a bit weird, you know, uh, or someone who's just not so um, inward looking. Mm-hmm. So to judge yourself for saying watermelons, I've eaten one of those. Uh, if you say it with a big smile on your face, some someone be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. tell love me, more. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about that watermelon. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, so that so that I mean that's a really small example of a thing we would do. But most I think of the time, it's great. Mm. yeah, because I think when you're an anxious person, you can be a bit of a but no. Yeah, but yep. no, that's what I do a lot. I'm like, someone's like, oh, well, what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, oh, here's 50 things. Yes. But I need to be a bit more yes and. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, let's, let's see. Let's go for it rather than but, but, but no. I feel like maybe I do shut down a lot of opportunities rather than just put my fuck it hat on and be like, yeah, go on. Let's see what danger we get into today. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of the time um, anxiety makes you literally hide. Mm-hmm. When actually... Um, it's not about, as I always always say this as well, is it's not about making you into a loud, gregarious person. You know, people are different. Mm-hmm. Different. I always remember my friend Tom at university. I said to him, um, well, the thing is, Tom, you're very, you're very shy. And he went, don't call me shy. I'm not shy. I'm just quiet. I don't feel the need to talk all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> and it really made me laugh because I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm trying, like, judging you on the fact that yeah. I was brought up in this really loud singing family. So I think everybody's got a stop. <laughs> uh, but actually, um, some people don't talk all the time. And in fact, there was a lady on the course yesterday who was like, she said she's really happy supporting people. And what she found frustrating sometimes was people saw that as her not joining in. So it's like, how can you be present in your quiet? So 
we don't mind if you've got four people. I mean, Lauren, you must have had this experience where you're like five stand up comedians and, and everyone's like, oh, who's oh, my funny, it's my funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the worst to have five people trying desperately to tell all of their hilarious stories about their penises. Uh, but, <laughs> but they, uh, but so, so you need those people, they add balance and stuff. And, and um, so accepting, oh, I'm, I'm a quiet person who enjoys just listening to people a lot of the time. And I, I'll speak if I need to, but I'm really happy to not speak. Hmm. And I think that's what a lot of the anxiety comes from, that you, you're supposed to be, everyone's supposed to be Lady Gaga. Because hmm. if there's a silence, sometimes you can be like, should I fill it? Mm. Do I need to fill it? Am I, I, don't, I don't want to fill this silence. But now I've, And then you end up saying something like, so watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just, yeah, back to owning it. Owning the fact that, no, I don't want to fill this silence. That is someone else's job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our final question is if you could go back to like your younger self, what would you tell yourself about like mental health or living without misery? Like what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Uh, knowing me, yes. I would, would have been, uh, would be, you don't have to achieve everything. You don't have to win everything. You don't, you can just enjoy what you're doing rather than, looking always to what's the next thing so i would say just i, I would say, there's that line in uh, hamilton which is um um talk less smile more uh, and I, I think and uh, i think that would be maybe slightly my advice to myself yeah because yeah. i think a lot of the time it was my anxiety came from i want to impress people i want people to love me and like and think i'm amazing um when actually the most people that we really enjoy being around other people who do own who they are um so yeah i'd say just enjoy who you are and and enjoy discovering who you are as well because we we don't know who we are really until we die so so just enjoy being like oh i've just realized i like watermelon (laughs) (laughs) i'm honestly having such a life crisis in the corner here because i'm like this is everything I need to hear right now. Great. Like, not even when I was a kid, I'm like, yeah, I do need to smile more. Yeah, I do, I do need to realise I can't just achieve everything. Pippa, you've just saved my life. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good point as well, though, Lauren, which is we're always evolving. Yeah. As, so, so it's also like, just keep checking in with yourself because mm. maybe you were really quiet till you're 30 and then suddenly you do become, you're like, actually, no, I, I do like enjoy these things. Or like I've had the sort of opposite, which is, which is probably a lot of people's life journey is I've got into my 30s and gone, do you know what, actually, I don't really enjoy going to parties and, and I, I really enjoy being quiet and for a long time felt like, oh, oh well, well then everyone's going to think you're boring uh, and rather than just being like, oh, no, I'm not going. Do you know what really helped me? FOMO versus JOMO. I love that. Ooh. So fear of missing out versus the joy of missing out. So I really, after that, when I heard that, in fact, actually, I thought I'd invented it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, JOMO, Pippa, you've just written your self-help book. <laughs> and then I Googled it and there's like a guy who, who's got like 20 million followers who invented JOMO. Anyway, but it's the idea of enjoying when you make a choice to not do something rather than make that choice but worrying about the fact that you're not doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Jomo. Take that one with us. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. Absolute pleasure. Wonderful. I feel like I've sorted out a lot of my thoughts. We hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life. Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences. We can help each other know that things do get better. 
Uh, and that's the end of the show. Um, just a quick reminder to say that all the money we make from advertising from this podcast goes to Calm, uh, the campaign against living miserably. So if you're feeling extra generous, because uh, you've just donated by listening, you see, uh, but if you've got a little bit of extra money, I don't know, if you found a fiver in your trousers or in your hair or something, um, you could go to uktv.co.uk forward slash Dave forward slash Calm. And there's a, uh, a tempting red button on there you can press that lets you put more money towards calm uh, they're good people doing amazing things and uh, whatever money you have would be amazing um, yeah uh, and also if you uh, could like review rate subscribe all of that jazz tell everyone you know about the podcast recommend it to strangers scream about it on the bus shout it out at weddings the more people that listen the more money from advertising that goes to calm so everyone wins everyone absolutely everyone right this episode's almost over I swear uh, just got to thank a bunch of people. Uh, thanks to Pippa Evans for letting us bother her. And you can catch Showstopper, Showstopper, the Showstopper, the musical, uh, the improvised musical even, in Edinburgh at this year's Fringe Festival. Uh, thanks to Lauren Patterson for putting up with me for the whole eight episodes so far. Plenty more to come. Uh, thanks to Pixel U for the edit of this week's interview. Thanks to Dave for letting us make this podcast. And thanks to Calm for being awesome. Uh, oh, and thanks to you uh, for listening obviously, uh, because without you, I, there's no reason for me to be stood in this field recording this outro. Uh, it's the actions of a utterly uh, lost man uh, screaming into the ether uh, in the middle of a field, not really knowing what he's doing with his life. Anyway, um, that's it. That's it. Uh, come back next week if you'd be so kind. Um, looking forward to seeing you or hearing you. No, we don't hear you. That's not how podcasts work. Anyway, bye, uh, bye, 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 bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt, or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos, and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? 
What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.